Hello, I'm Shell of Lionheart's Fitness. If you don't know about us by now, please check out our website, lionheartsfitness.com. Free fitness for all youth, particularly obstacle course racing. Right now, here is your podcast, I Am Spartan Podcast, with our favorite host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Could you do me a huge favor and go and check out the show's sponsor at monkeygrips.com? That's monkey with two E's. And give them a follow on Instagram at monkeygrip2 as well. They make these awesome rope grips that you can hang from a pull-up bar. And you can do your pull-ups on there and max out your pull-ups, max out your dead hangs, and then you can take them off of there real quick and put them on some dumbbells and do farmer's carries or just static holds to just blow out your grip even further. They also sell cannonball grips, which is about the size of a baseball, and they attach onto the dumbbells and the pull-up bars the exact same way, and they also sell liquid chalk too. So do me a favor and go and check them out. That's monkeygrips.com. Got a cool interview here with Lisa Masakio. She has been crushing the elite women's field for the past seven races. She has placed first place in all of them. And we talk about how great her streak is and how much longer she's going to be able to keep doing this. We talk about what her strategy is going to be for the Killington Beast. And we also talk about how her last race went at West Virginia. If you don't get enough of Lisa here, make sure you check out Obstacle Running Adventures. They just had her on there last week as well. Here's the interview with Lisa Masakio. Lisa Masakio, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. So you recently crushed the West Virginia Beast, but before we get into all of that and how you found the wonderful world of OCR, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you live at, what you do for a living. Uh, I live in Maryland. I've lived in Maryland my entire life. Um, I am a teacher. I teach second graders. Um, I always sort of knew I wanted to be a teacher um, and just kind of worked my way um with that sort of goal in mind um i've played sports you know my whole life um did some strength training growing up and then um you know played lacrosse and field hockey and then my brother and i were always competitive so then he and i sort of entered into the spartan world but it's kind of interesting to juggle you know the athletic competition and then being a teacher so how did you know that you wanted to be a teacher (sighs) I had really great teachers, which I'm really grateful for. There are like just some really core teachers that I remember, especially like my fifth grade teacher. She kind of took me under her wing. And I think I was just impressed at all the things they had to do. I think I just noticed that um, even at a young age. And I just loved that they like cared about each person as, you know, kids trying to figure out what they want to do with the world. I don't know. I also I'm just an organized person, so I love the little, you know, ways to be organized and make things cute or presentable. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then as I got into it in high school, I did kind of a work study. Um, and so I went and and taught uh, fourth and fifth grade 
um, and just make sure I actually liked it. Um, and I loved it. I loved all the questions the kids asked. They made me go like figure things out like, oh, I don't actually know the answer to that. Let me, you know, get the answer and come back to you. Just their curiosity about the world and wanting to sort of work together to learn and just explore was awesome. And I wanted to be a part of that for kids. So you're saying that in when you were in the fifth grade, you knew that you wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. That's like, I, that's all I wanted to do. Like, I was like, that is exactly what I want to do. That's amazing. I think I either wanted to be a pro skateboarder or a rock star. So I love that. My brother definitely wanted to be a pro skateboarder yeah, for a long time. I, I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, so what has like been like one of the craziest things that like one of your students has ever come up to you and said or done in your classroom and you know, there's gotta be a great oh, story man. here. How long have you been teaching? This is my 11th year teaching. Oh, God. Yeah. Does that um, mean you have your tenure? Is it right? Yeah. Oh, nice. So I have it like twice, kind of, because you have to get your first tenure after three years. Um, and then I did that in Baltimore County. So I was a teacher in Baltimore County for about seven years. I actually taught in the same neighborhood that I grew up in, which was great because I knew the community, loved nice. it. Um, and then I sort of, it was a little bit more of a rougher school. Um, I was much more maybe a behavioral specialist than I was an educator, which mm -hmm. I learned a lot. I was really involved with families. Um, I learned a lot of skills on like social emotional learning, which I still use. Um, but I kind of wanted to focus more on my sort of professionalism and like academics and teaching, though more so the learning side of things. So uh, recently I switched over um, to Montgomery County um, and I teach at a Title I school um, and we just have a lot more resources. So I focus a lot more on sort of the academic piece of that, which I also love. Um, but yeah, I, my goodness, there are so many things that the kids do. I mean, even like this year, okay, so we're a weekend. Um, one of the little boys just went to the bathroom and came back and I'm in the middle of a lesson. We're doing great. We're talking about, you know, making a 10 and then counting and adding on. And he just out of nowhere raises his hand. He's like, Miss M. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, the bathroom made such a silly noise. And then he made like this gurgle, gurgle fart noise and <laughs> just thought, and he was like dead. Like he thought it was cool. He thought it was funny. He was dead serious and thought I needed to know that. And it got right to work. And of course, everyone laughed. But I was like, what goes through your mind as you enter the classroom <laughs> to share that? Yeah, and you just totally lose the attention of the class. And, you know, that was you it. have to get their focus back. I'm sure that's always fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever had to, like, deal with any, like, crazy parents or anything like that? I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I had one student um this was a while ago and well i'll preface it and say most parents are actually really wonderful and helpful and like want you to help their child but there are others that i just understand are going through a really tough time um and a lot of times like if it's a single parent they're working jobs maybe multiple jobs it's very stressful i completely understand but this one parent i had reached out to her because her son was sort of playing with himself in circle time at like another teacher's room, like in library. I don't know. So I was just kind of, hey, K 
can we have a conversation about this? Can you have a conversation about it with your son? Here's sort of the rules we have. And instead of sort of being on my team and being like, oh my gosh, yes, like let's work on this together. She thought I was like accusing her of being, I don't know, a terrible mom and I don't know, telling her like her child was bad. And I was like, no, 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 like that's not what I'm saying. And she like walked into school and was like yelling at me and it was a whole deal. So I'm grateful for like my administrators and other, you know, teachers who step in and support and we all kind of have to have each other's back. It's just, it can be every anything's a stressful time and can turn into kind of a a crazy moment. But. That sounds that sounds wild. And just, you know, and you have to like I, I imagine like as soon as you feel like you've got the class under control and you've got a good rhythm going and now it's either like school break or, you know, it's the end of the year and then you get a whole new class of students and you have to like it. I, I imagine that's just a super challenge every year. My coworkers are saying that now, like my teammates, we just look at each other, I think every day. And we're just like, oh my gosh, we have to teach all of these routines again. And it really is everything to like how you ask for help, how you raise your hand, how you ask to go to the bathroom, how you put your folders away, where do the materials go? How do I pick up my work, turn in my work? How do I tell someone I didn't like that they looked at me that way? Like the amount of things that we do at the start of every year is just astronomical. And you still, you know, I'm 11 years in and I still have to take a deep breath and be like, okay, like we're just six days in, like it's a lot more, you know, challenging to get all of these things in place. So I'm sure it takes a special person to be a teacher and I don't, I could not do that job. So my hat is off to you for sure, <laughs> for sure. Okay, so the past seven races, you've placed first place in elite, and that's pretty amazing. So, but I saw, because I was looking through results, you know, so, and I saw that you've been coming off a lot of a third places and fourth places. So what happened at that last race? Because it looked like it was a New Jersey Super, you had like a fourth place, mm -hmm. and then on the sprint, you made a first place. So what happened that just caused this miraculous, you know, turn of events? It's, it's been really exciting. It's been sort of surprising for me as well. Um, I definitely didn't, I mean, I've definitely put in a lot of work, I will say, even, you know, if we go back to like a year or two ago, it's sort of been this slow, consistent uh, process. Um, but I think, Going into this year, I really did want to push myself and see, you know, how much harder I can push the pace and sort of take a few risks while on the course that maybe I wouldn't have done before. Um, New Jersey this year, so I always do the New Jersey Beast, or it was a super this year, but um, I love the course. I love the mountain. Um, it's always really challenging. Um, and the past couple times, even in the fall last year when I did it, it was rainy and just kind of a, a wet, mucky, muddy, gross day, um, which just makes the obstacles obviously way more challenging and then the running also more challenging. So the obstacles really got me this year on that that Saturday. Um, I failed a few of them and the penalty loops were, were pretty gnarly. Um, so it definitely took a long time to sort of navigate that. but. 
I mean, afterwards, I still I absolutely loved it. I had a blast. I was just covered in mud and just, you know, excited to to be able to, again, start a new season and do what I love to do um, and sort of just working on the mental state of, OK, like this was one race, like you've learned a lot on what obstacles maybe were challenging and can you try to do them a different way or prepare like your gloves better or um you know maybe take your gloves off so they don't get muddy and then put them back on before one obstacle or you know whatever the differences are um so i just went into this the sprint the next day just ready to know it's going to be another wet muddy day and to just tackle the course a little faster um and i i came out with the win i did also make my spear on the sprint that day which was great and that's the only time i've made my spear this year so oh wow so I'm hoping for a little bit more uh, success in the last couple. Yeah, this the spear throw this year is definitely harder now that they put that wooden circle thing on the hay bales, you know, because before those foam blocks they used to have, you could just barely touch the spear in that thing and it would stick. stick and yeah. the target was bigger. And now we've gone back to the hay bales and it's a smaller target. I would say it may be a little closer, but but still it, it just seems harder. I, I'm having more problems with it this year for sure. Um, so you're on a winning streak of seven wins. How much longer are you going to keep this streak going? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm just going to take each one as it comes and try my best. I only have two left officially this year. Right. So you said you did a little bit of like sports when you were younger, like soccer and strength training. But I mean, in your results, it looked like you were in the top 10 overall in the elite field at West Virginia. So you must be a pretty fast runner. Did you run in school or anything like that? Or was this just something you figured out later on? Uh, I mean, I, we definitely, you know, with lacrosse and, and field hockey, there was a lot of running. And then I also in the off season did um kind of cross country like the off season winter running and then i did the 800 in high school but other than that um i really didn't run much i'm not i don't have a big running background it's not a strength of mine um when i went to college i tried to run um i actually had like, i was really stressed at the end of high school so i gained actually like you know, they say freshman 15, I gained 15 pounds, like going mm. into college. So I went into college being like, I want to lose like 15 pounds, not like truly, but about like, I mean, about 10 pounds, I went into college, I knew that I wanted to sort of at least just get more fit, like I needed to be active, I needed to stop snacking on candy all the time. Like I was like, goal driven that I'm gonna focus on this. So I did start running with one of my friends that I lived with in college. Um, and so her and I trained a little bit, but I mean, it was just short little runs that we went on and we'd just go to the gym. So it was, you know, consistent to do it together, but no major running background until I got out of college and I started powerlifting and lift like squatting and deadlifting and benching with some friends. Um, and I loved it cause I got strong, but I also missed sort of the, the sports side of thing and, and the running um so i started incorporating more running so i think with the strength combined with a little bit more running um and then when i found spartan my brother and cousins heard of it and said hey we should go run this race so we went to do it together and as soon as i 
we did that. We just fell in love. We absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And I was like, cool, this is great. Like it combines the strength that I now sort of have that I love and the running, which I kind of was missing, but the running is still missing. So I need to be better. And so from there, I just started running and sort of researching on my own, like, how do you, you know, train a little bit to run a 10k mm. or a half marathon and sort of, we're just picking and choosing things on sort of how maybe running went, um, how to progress, how to set yourself up with a training schedule. Um, but I was kind of doing it all on my own um, until I started to listen to a couple podcasts. Um, so one of the major podcasts recently that I've been listening to is the Running Public podcast, just because they do a lot of training Tuesdays. Train. And so they have a lot of sort of tidbits on, you know, what good running sort of training and progression can look like. So from that and more research, I sort of started looking at how I can, you know, set up a different um, program for myself. And so I think just the consistency with that has definitely paid off. And about two years ago, I, I finally said, you know, like the off season is actually probably important and I should probably <laughs> take you know the advice that people are, are are giving and actually take it seriously so two years ago i actually said okay off season base building will begin and i'll take it a little seriously more seriously so i think that has also really played a role into sort of how at least on the running aspect of the sport i've i've improved well it looks like it's paid off because i mean you've gotten seven first places in a row that's a pretty cool st statistic to have right <laughs> this year for sure um so what about your first race that you did made you just fall in love with it and made you want to try another and then how did you prepare for like i'm just curious because you said you had fun and you you know you you ran it fast you realized that you had a good time that was competitive with the age group so once you finished that race, were you like preparing to run in an age group race at the next one? Or did you run open heat a couple more times to fill it out? Yeah, I think the the parts of the race that I just I really loved were the the run the trail aspect of it too. I think just I've always been sort of bored by the road running. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I still do it for training purposes. Um, and I find like beautiful roads to run on, but I really right. love the woods. I loved hiking. I've always loved that. So I think first being in the woods with kind of more technical train, that was a challenge. And I, I really liked that. I also really liked that you sort of broke up the running with obstacles that required um, technique and a little bit of strategy. And for me personally, a little bit of upper body work, um, strength endurance that I definitely didn't have um, and that I'm still working on. So I think though they were challenges that I thought were different and exciting and I did want to sort of improve on that. So I definitely had to sort of change my training to improve um, my ability to do the upper body obstacles that require grip strength that I didn't really have. Mm. Um, and then also like that coordination, like just getting your body used to swinging and reaching for things and coordinating that whole aspect. Um, I remember doing the twister for the first time too, like, you know, a few races later and I was like, what is this thing? Like how <laughs> on earth am I gonna do this? Um, 
So I just, I loved that sort of specific technique aspect that you needed. Um, and I definitely moving forward, I didn't think I was going to be competitive at all. I just thought it was fun. So I did more open heats. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I did compare my time, I guess really at that time in 2015 or 16, it was like competitive right. waves. Right. And then, mm -hmm. so then I sort of compared my times and was like, oh, like I'm kind of on the competitive side. So maybe I'll move up to the competitive waves and then each time. Um, I just noticed that my times were actually one, they were improving and two, they were sort of close to other, other women who were, you know, who were winning. Um, I do though, remember like one that sticks out one of the first times I did Killington, it took me like five and a half hours. And I just thought it was absolutely insane. And I was just and, and all of myself for doing something for five and a half hours, because that's just an insane amount of time. But then also looking at my time and being like, well, you're not that far off from some of the other competitive people. So it's just also funny to see how the sport has sort of changed also in, you know. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, five and a half hours, that's not a, a bad time, especially for your first time at Killington. Yeah, that's, that a, that's a brutal course. And I definitely have gone back to that one every year um, just to see if I can improve. And it's just such a brutal course that it's just so fulfilling when you're done. Mm. Yeah. So you put a big hurting on the field at West Virginia. I think you beat second place by almost 10 minutes. So tell us about that race and how did it go for you? Uh, West Virginia. I love that one. Um, Great that's venue. Another, yeah. That's another one I do almost every year. Me too. Um, I think it's it's really interesting because I do, I remember that it's challenging, but every year I still get there and I I forget like just how gnarly it is. I mean, it's not really a mountain, but there really are just so many climbing and rolling hills. They find all of the steepest climbs. Um, I also forget too, like the bushwhacking and sort of something like it, there's really a lot. There are, there's some grass running. There's a lot of steep climbs. There's a lot of bushwhacking, um, even going downhill on like the gravel roads for a while. That pounding is really challenging. So mm -hmm. I always forget how hard it is. Um, but I just, you know, I kind of wanted to start that race um, a little bit more you know, slower than usual, just to kind of pace myself, especially with the humidity, um, because I just in that valley, just the it's just so humid and it's just hard to breathe. So um, I also know it was a little bit more open running. So I didn't feel like I needed to, I don't know, go out faster to sort of get into single track. Um, so I just kind of let it roll. And then as we sort of got into some of the, the first climbs, um, that's definitely something training wise that I work on as attacking hills and climbing them at a, a certain pace. So I think that when I did hit some of those, those first hills, I was able to sort of tackle them at a little bit faster pace. And then that's sort of when I, I did end up taking the lead, but I did not expect to really keep it for as long as I did. And then sort of, um, continue to sort of make a gap, but it's funny because the way that it meanders through and you come back, I could see second, third, fourth place sometimes for a good chunk of it still. Um, so, you know, it only takes a couple obstacles. That, you know you fail and and the women who are competing in elite 
they're they're also i mean they're all really good they're very competitive they work really hard um and they're they're right there so you know i also am am thinking you know it 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 just takes a couple obstacles or you know a really off day running and it just they're right there on my tail so so when did you uh take first place in the race about what time or what obstacle were you at I think it was after, so we hit monkey bars, um, went through there, ran up the hill a couple of times. And there was like, I don't remember if it was over walls or a few other obstacles and then sort of one of the other climbs. So it was maybe like two miles in. So you, well, you led the whole race from two miles to the yeah. end. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. What about, um, um, ape hanger? I know that you've done Palmerton and you did Asheville and it, I've seen so many people complain about ape hanger, like on the Facebook pages and whatever, but I'm the type of person where I would rather have ape hanger than say pipe layer there. You know, I, I understand people are upset because it seems like we lost beater and gained ape hanger. But to me, this version of ape hanger is harder than beater. So, I mean, I'm beaters a fun obstacle to me and yeah, but ape hanger to me is, is a lot more difficult obstacle and mm -hmm. I get it. Taller people are having problems with it because if you've got momentum going and your feet hit the ground for a second, it's going to kill your momentum. So you have to keep your legs tucked, you know? And so, but it being loose the way it is makes it so difficult because when you grab that rung, it drops. And then the next one is so much higher up to me. I mean, besides not having to go up a wet rope to start it, it's the, the latter part is harder in this version than it is at, at Palmerton. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I agree with that. I think I'll first say I'm excited to see it. Like I've gotten to do it three times now. Um, and I was hoping that maybe I'd be more successful having mm. done it a couple of times. Um, I will say when they had it in Asheville, it was the same situation that it was in West Virginia. Um, yeah. but it was a little bit higher. So in Asheville, they put the whole ape hanger itself, um, maybe a foot or two higher and they were maybe a little bit tighter. So you didn't hang down quite as low and they put the mats directly underneath the highest point. So mm. like if you fell from the very top, you hit the mats, but if you fell from anywhere else, you weren't gonna hurt yourself. So there were no mats, so you could swing your feet. Right. So I think if we could sort of maybe have the ape hanger set up that way, that would have been more successful and will be more successful for, well, taller people, especially, just to kind of get your feet up. I mean, in West Virginia, I'm also not terribly tall. I'm like five, four and my feet were hitting the mats because also they were so loose so i was having a hard time really getting momentum and swinging um and i'm not also proficient in sort of doing the l's where you which i saw the video actually of you doing it where you brought yourself up even yeah locking off you, yeah mounting. so if you can get that technique down i mean that would be helpful like for me if i could do that but i think i I love the ape hanger. I love that it's a challenge. I think that if we just maybe make it more consistent where it's up a little bit higher, just so that people can sort of get good yeah. momentum. 
I agree with you. I, I think it just needs to be up a little higher and it just needs to be a little tighter. Yeah. I mean, and that would make it easier for, you know, everybody, I think, and just make it a, I think it would make the obstacle just flow better in general, for sure. Um, so was there any other obstacles that you had any problems with in West Virginia besides the spear? Beside the spear <laughs> uh, and the ape hanger. Um, actually, the Z wall. Oh, with the ropes at the yeah, end? Yeah, with the ropes. Um, they were just, they're just so thick. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking if, if I get to that again, um, and that's the first time that I've experienced it that way. Same. Um, okay. That maybe I'd reach for one of the middle ones and just try to like swing <laughs> to the bell. Yeah. That's what I did. Is that what you did? Okay. So that's yeah, I, I got to the second one, but I know a lot of people, like if you would have went on the left side, that, that wasn't an option, you know, because of the way the walls you are reach around. Yeah. Yeah. You were reaching around to it. Whereas you had to get on the right side wall to get it in that fashion where you could jump off of the wall or bounce off that last block and with the rope to hit the bell. So I know a lot of people were just touching and going on Sunday after they experienced it on Saturday. And I know I was right behind a buddy of mine and he did that. And it took me probably a little longer than it should, but, and by the time I got off of it, he was already halfway across the bridge after <laughs> running the penalty <laughs> loop. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think finding a different way to sort of tackle that one. Yeah. Um, that was the only other one that sort of tripped me up. I did finally get Olympus, which was exciting. I got my feet up a lot higher. Um, did, you, did you see the picture and the highlights where they got a really cool picture of you doing Olympus? Yeah, I did. A friend, yeah, pointed it out to me. I was like, oh, that is very cool. Yeah, but okay. I was like, that's that's the technique. Like, that's what I wanted to do, and I tried, and I was still extremely exhausted um, after doing it that way. Right. But it was successful, so. Yeah, to me, Olympus and Stairway to Sparta take the mm -hmm. most energy out of you to complete those obstacles. Like, you can go into those obstacles in an aerobic heart rate, and you will come out of those obstacles like in threshold heart rate, you know, zone four, zone five, because they just take so much out of you. That's why I feel like obstacles like that, they need to have like an extra long penalty loop mm -hmm. because the people that do make it through, you know, suffer as where if somebody decides, well, they're just going to touch and go. You know, they're just running a little bit more. They're not expand, expending all this extra energy like the people are that are doing it. And, and, and I realize that for a lot of the penalty loops they do, they try to figure out, they make the penalty loop as long as it takes for someone to go through an obstacle. But I feel like they need to take into fact the energy it takes to do those obstacles as well. You know, because if you're just jogging through a penalty loop, it's not, it's just not the same. No, no, I 100% agree. I think initially, I, there's been some penalty loops that I think were just have not really been a good representation of sort of the effort and time that the obstacle itself is taking and that does become unfair. Um, but I think, you know, as long as we're sort of making the penalty loops consistent, I think that's better than the, the burpees. 
Um, Me too. But I, I, yeah, I think that they, they just need to make sure that it really does represent sort of the obstacle, the effort and the, the time it takes to do it. Yeah, even if they don't, I'm still happy we're doing these instead of burpees. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. When we were in Palm Beach, and this was just a sprint, if you failed the spear, you had to do a short sandbag carry. And it was, oh. it, it that was a very decent penalty because it was the full size, like, you know, the burlap bags that they fill up with sand. And it wasn't as long as your typical sandbag carry, but it was at least a third, you know. Wow. So that, yeah, that was a, a that was definitely a decent penalty loop for sure, and they had a great volunteer there that was making sure everybody was doing it. You know, that's it good too. Forward. Yeah. But um, so okay, West Virginia is a great race at finding people's weaknesses, and I think to me personally, it's the swim. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a great swimmer, but it's just I don't practice swimming, you know, in my normal day of training, you know. So when you hit this swim and God, I mean, they made it so much shorter this year too. I know. But still towards the end of the race, I was trying to cramp up like my calves were trying to cramp. And I don't know what it is about West Virginia, but I've gone to West Virginia every year in its existence. It, and it, except for last year, I've tried to either my quads or my calves have always tried to cramp. And I know everybody has that same those same problems or a lot of people do. And I'm sure it's one of those things where you're just not, not prepared for, you know, the task, but it just, to me, I think it's, it's got to be something with this swim or either the crazy weather they have in West Virginia or one or the other. Mm -hmm. I, but did you have any problems with that? Like trying to cramp at West Virginia? It is actually funny that you're saying that because I think if, if I had to pick a weakness, I think that would be my weakness. And I don't, usually have a terrible time with cramping but if it's a course where there is a ton of climbing um, that are just extremely steep so like i would put west virginia there because some of those climbs are extremely steep um, and like killington i would put there even palmerton but west virginia is so hot and humid so you're you're just sweating so much and then because of the rocky at times and like uh, terrain and some of the pebble, you know, rocky hard downhills that we do, in addition to the climbing and the swimming, my calves were also sort of on the verge where like, even when we made it up to the final top of one of the other climbs to the right. traverse, that's always one where I have to sort of be careful where I put my, my calves and feet because they're cramping. Um, so I, yeah, and I don't have, you know, any great solution because it's it's still happening and something that I have to deal with. And I think the biggest thing that you said I agree with is just practicing that in training. And it's just really hard to sort of uh, replicate. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm sure that most of us that were having issues with, I mean, I, I didn't get a full-blown cramp, but it was you know that you ran up those wooden stairs right before the mm -hmm. spear i started doing that and i felt both of my cramps were like you know you better Knocking back off we're we gonna lock up you know it's one yeah. of those situations but i i just feel like you know we got off easy this year too because the swim was probably a third of what it usually was i mean yeah. that was that was an easy swim compared to what we usually have so 
Yeah, it really was. I was surprised. Yeah, I was too. I was too. But, uh, you know, and this year I kind of planned it out on the map because I, I knew that I usually always try to cramp at this race because Palmerton, I've never had a problem cramping at Palmerton or, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. There was one race where I had just had a full lockup on a cramp, but I want to say it was like in Florida, you know, and mm. we ran through some deep water. So maybe it's just my problem with water. I don't know. But one thing that I tried to plan, I, I was trying to plan on it. And mm -hmm. so I saw that like the eight foot wall was like a mile and a half away from the swim. So I said, I had like an electrolyte pill that I hit there. And then right after the swim, I hit another one hoping that that would help. So, I mean, if it got me to the finish line before I started cramping, I guess that's a good thing, but yeah, that kind of helped for me. Hmm. Yeah. I think being proactive in nutrition, whatever you take, I think is, is extremely important. And I think that's also something from years past. I'm myself also trying to be better about is sort of remembering that, I'm bringing, like, I'm bringing nutrition with me and remember that you have it and sort of do take note of how far have I gone since my last goo or choose or whatever I, I choose to take with me and make sure that I keep that going. So at what point in the race did you knew, did you know that, Hey, I've got this win. Um, maybe when I came down for the bucket carry. I just because that's like a really big open area, right? You're coming down right. the hill and you can sort of see everything. So once I hit the bucket and I didn't see anyone, then I I knew that my lead was great enough that like even if I failed sort of okay, what obstacles were coming up, maybe the multi-rig or again the spear like let's say i failed those like i had a, a big enough gap that i probably would have been okay so i think you know but at that point i sort of felt comfortable but i also again like it's been amazing to see and feel that i'm in first like that the ability to pull off all these wins has been just absolutely incredible but it's also like because i've put in and focus on my personal goals. So like for me, even though maybe I was in that position, like I still wanted to push myself because I knew I had a little bit more in right. me and I, I wanted to beat my like previous year's times for whatever that's worth or still attack obstacles in a certain way. And I wanted to be successful in obstacles um, to finish out the race. So even though maybe I felt a little bit more comfortable, like, wow, like I think I actually have this. I also for myself wanted to keep pushing and working hard and, and finish in the best way that I could. Right. So did you, did you beat your time from last year? You know, uh, yes, I did, but it's also hard cause the, the course has changed. Um, so it is a, a hard and probably unfair comparison. I don't um, know. I feel like that besides us not carrying a log carry to through the water, I feel like that path was very similar to, to last year's. Yeah, um, that's true. I feel like there may have been a little bit more technical running on the beast portion on the, mm -hmm. on that loop, right before you come down to the swim. I feel like there was a section of technical running that we avoided this time that we usually get there. I might be wrong. But. Yeah. I do feel like they, 
they took us up a few different climbs that we didn't do before. Um, I know that cliff climb was totally new. Yeah, that, yes, that was completely different. That was sketchy too. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it, I think even, so my husband Lewis is there and he tries to see as much as he can. And he said he sort of saw us briefly go up a climb and then we just like completely disappeared. And he was like, I can't even believe that you guys went up that he's yeah. like and i don't even know where you where you went i mean you're having to like hold on to roots like exposed yeah from the ground to get up it i mean it was that was pretty challenging it reminded me of the killington ultra loop from 2018 because you had to do the same thing on that ultra loop i it is so impressive to me that people do the ultra there i just absolutely mind-blowing it's it's tough but it's so it's, cool i mean it's so cool i think i did it I think I did it three years in a row and I said, I wasn't going to do it again every <laughs> year. And then my buddies were going back to do it because my buddy, Michael and Patrick and me, we all went there in 2018 to do it the first year. And me and Michael completed it. My buddy Patrick did not. So mm -hmm. we went back the next three years and neither one of them still didn't finish it even though michael's done it once he hadn't been able to do it again because of bad circumstances but last year i actually prepared for it and you know hired a coach and i said i just want you to get me ready for this race and with no expectations i just want to be i want to feel like i was prepared for it and I won't hate the race at the end of mm -hmm. it. Like I, like I normally do, you know, cause I usually yeah. say I'm not doing this again next year. And last year, even though I had a bad race last year, I still finished the race knowing that I'm coming back this year again to do it. So it's definitely a, a tough race, but it just makes that buckle that much more shiny when you cross a fire jump at the end, when you finish that fire jump, it just, it just means a lot, you know, it's really yeah. awesome. I mean, and I'm sure, and, and it's like, you say that, and I always tell myself, we always talk like if we would have went there the first year and just done the beast, yeah. we probably would have said, you know what? I don't never want to do an ultra. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's such a fierce mountain. Yeah. And, um, that was one thing I wanted to ask you too, because you've done Killington Beast what three times? Um, maybe four. Four times. Three, three or four, yeah. Okay, we've well, done the same amount I have. Um, but I also saw that you did Tahoe. Mm -hmm. So to you, between the Tahoe Beast and the Killington Beast, which one was harder? Killington. <laughs> like hands, hands down. down. Hands down. So I mean Tahoe. So I did Tahoe twice. Um, the first time I did it, it was sort of like a, a normal temperature race. I mean, it was, the swim was cold, but it was a beautiful sunny day. Um, but I was also, I mean, that was earlier on in this whole Spartan endeavor for me. So I was nowhere near as fit as I am now to like tackle the mountain, but I was able to do it. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. It was hard, but the climbs really aren't as intense and long and gnarly as Killington. The terrain is just not as as gnarly and technical as Killington. Um, I just, there's something about 
the mountain. And then also with Killington, like, and I hope they bring it back this year, but the, there is a swim, but it's also a swim with the Tarzan swing, like, um, obstacle as well. And then you finish the swing, swim again. Um, and there is just such a, a difference, um, in the running that you have to do at Kellington that I just hands down truly do believe that Kellington is the hardest race that Spartan offers. I haven't done them all, but right. I, you know, <laughs> that I've but done I, at least. But I always ask that if I see somebody who has done both, because you'll see like on the Spartan Facebook pages, people will argue, no, this race is harder. No, this mm -hmm. race is harder. Um, I mean, I'm sure Tahoe could be a harder race, you know, as far as temperature goes, you know, if you're out there and it's snowing and cold. Now, I, I get that. But I, w when I ask the question, which race is harder, I'm asking climb-wise, trail-wise, you know, difficulty in the running portion. That's what I mean, not the yeah. elements, you know. I mean, shoot, any race that's super cold is going to make it harder than another race that was 70 degrees yeah for sure i mean the, the the rocks that you climb up in killington and down like i mean the your ankles tire out mm. you talk about cramping i mean the calves and you're just the quads from climbing and just because the train is so uneven just makes it that much more challenging to actually climb up and, and then descend um yeah I don't it's, know. it's it's Killington is pretty much just relentless. You're either going up or you're going down. The only time it flattens out is when you're running to an obstacle or if you're coming down and going a short, a short section of flat to go down another section that's going to be longer. I feel like I remember every section of land there that you run on that's flat because most of the time you're either going up or down. And they're very long ups and usually very long downs for sure. Yeah. Um, rumor has it we're not going to do the swim this year. Oh. You know, because they redid the K1 Lodge. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that we're still going to start at Bear Mountain again this year because they have this brand new lodge that they finished. But, and I don't blame them. They don't want thousands of Spartans that are muddy running through there, yeah. you know, messing it up, you know, because, you know, they always cover the flooring with plastic anyway. So, I mean, I don't blame them. I'm sure that new lodge is awesome. The only bad thing about it is, is, you know, that's the K1 lodge is where the gondola goes up, where people get to the top of the death mm -hmm. march. So if we start at Bear Mountain again, that's, you know, far away from the, you know, to get yeah. to that gondola to go up there. I don't. I, I want to say it it was running last year, but still, you had to drive to get to there from Bear Mountain. Yeah, and I think, so my aunts usually come to this one. So normally, well, and sometimes my parents, so it's kind of a family weekend getaway. And so they right. do love to try to get up the gondola to see. And last year, they were saying that they just started it, I think, a little bit later. And they're, I don't know if it was the one, there were two and they opened one, but it, they didn't open it till maybe like the age grouper sort of started. So then they were, they missed me. Um, so if they could start it a little earlier for me, particularly like that would be great for elites, but it might be running for age group, which I hope so, because at least this particular year, Killington is an age group like national series um, race. Maybe, maybe elite. I think it's for age groupers. Yeah. It's just the age group beast they have. Yeah. It's like the national champ series. I don't <laughs> okay, know. I, yeah. I don't, I don't really, 
follow it. I mean, I just know it's got something to do because it's not part of the series. It's like okay. the national champions, I think. Okay, maybe. So I it, know it was something. Yeah, it. it's a one-off. West Virginia was a series race. Okay. And I think the last series race is it's a race in California. I can't remember the venue name, though. Okay. But, yeah, so I saw you didn't run the Super in West Virginia. Are, was that in preparation for Killington, or you just don't like doing double days? I'm actually getting better at running double days. I've definitely done it more. Um, I think also now with like training a little bit more and learning how to recover a little bit better. Um, I've actually liked running double days just cause I feel like that does help training. Um, but in actually, because Killington is coming up, I sort of didn't want to push it too much. The beast right. is very challenging and I, you know, wanted to start recovering, but it's also the weekend before the first day of school. So it's always just a, a stressful, like it, you know, I just want to get home. It takes us about like five and a half hours to drive home. So I kind of just wanted to be home and get my mind and body sort of mentally prepared yeah, for the I'm first day there. of school. So that's yeah, why I didn't do it. Yeah. Cause it's never fun when you're traveling back on Sunday and you get home late and you got to get up and go to work the next day. That's not fun. Yeah. Absolutely not fun. I definitely do that during the school year. Once I get settled and sort of I'm more in a routine, but right. um, yeah, the beginning is just a little, a little more challenging. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Cause don't you have to like start we uh, work like a week early before the students get there, right? Yeah. yeah. So the whole week before West Virginia was the pre-service week. So I was at work all week sort of setting up and attending meetings and getting, you know, the classroom prepared. Um, so I kind of, I had to leave that early on Friday um, and then get to West Virginia. And then I came home and the week started on, on Monday, first day of school. So what are you doing to prepare or like, did you train differently knowing that the Killington beast is coming up? The Killington beast is sort of like my a big goal race, I guess, for the whole year. So everything is sort of helping to, to prepare for that. Um, I usually focus on a lot of hills. So just in training, any time I can sort of incorporate hill climbing and descending, um, I'll do that. So even if it is um, supposed to be sort of an easier run, I'll try to get some, some elevation. Or if I hop on the treadmill, um, I'm still putting it up to incline like seven, nine, 12, just to really get my calves and body like used to sort of sort of climbing that way. Um, and then I normally in the middle of the season do some threshold runs that are a little bit more flat and speedy because speed is also like not having a running background. The speed is not really a strength of mine. But then as I sort of get closer to West Virginia and then into Killington, I sort of take the speed away. And I again, I, I just climb. So it's just a lot of climbing. I have a local mountain uh, ish, um, Sugarloaf Mountain. It's like a, a hour from me. Um, and I'll drive there for um, weekend runs just because I can get really good climbing and then really practice sort of the technical descents down. And then I bring a sandbag with me too and carry the sandbag up right. and down. Um, yeah, People those are the look at you strange for carrying a sandbag up the mountain. Sorry, say that again. 
and people look at you strange for carrying a sandbag up the mountain. Absolutely. And I do, I get people like, wow, like, look at you, like overachiever. Or I'll right. have people be like, oh, you must be training for something. Like, what are you training for? And then I'll sort of tell them, yeah. You're like, Shut up. I teach your kids. <laughs> so what is your strategy for Killington? Like, what is your fuel strategy? What's your plan on pacing for that race? Like, how are you going to do this race? Tell yeah. us the secret to Killington Beach. <laughs> well, in terms of nutrition, like I was saying earlier, that's definitely something I've been trying to focus on and prepare and be a little bit smarter about. Um, so even just like, you know, the week before, just making sure I'm I'm hydrated. I'm, I definitely, you know, don't go crazy, but I do start to eat more carbs towards the end. Um, I make shakes like with um, BCAAs and creatine and like electrolytes for training runs. Um, and I bring that with me to Killington. Um, but during the race, I will take um, probably eight goos with me. Um, I really like Honey Stinger Nutrition. So mm -hmm. I take their goos just because I, I really like them. They don't upset my stomach. Um, and I feel like I can take them even when I don't have water, which is helpful. Um, cause I'm not really, I'm not going to wait necessarily for an, a water station. Um, and I usually try to sort of navigate the whole race maybe by my, by, well, by mileage, but because Killington is so steep, I don't obviously get through the miles as quickly. So I'll go by time. So maybe mm -hmm. about like f half an hour, 40 minutes or so I'll take a goo. Um, and I don't usually take the whole goo all at once. I sort of take maybe half and then sort of finish it within like a five or 10 minute uh, time span. Um, and then every aid, maybe not every aid station, but almost everyone I do stop and I take water because I don't bring a pack with me. Right. Yeah. Same. I don't do that either. I just, I yeah, I just, I can't. have water bouncing on me. I just hate it. Yeah. So how are you going? Like, how are you planning on pacing the race? Like you start the race, you come out of the gate. What is your pacing plan from start to finish? Uh, slow, slow and steady, wow. <laughs> which is, it, it's hard to do. You get excited. I do want to keep, I want to be with the main pack, the right? Group. Like I want to be sort of like, let's say in the top five ish. Like I want to, I want to be sort of still up um, in front ish, but I, I really, even though I get a good warm up in, it takes a while for your body to be like, okay, this is really what we're doing. And we are doing a lot of climbing, like get yourself ready. Um, and I just find that for me personally, easing my way in is the, the safer way to sort of do it. If I overdo it too quickly, um, it takes a little bit more time. It's more challenging to sort of get into a sort of a calm um, rhythm. Um, and there's just so much climbing, especially in the beginning that I just, I like to take it slower and sort of steady um, state. But this year for me has also been sort of a year of pushing the limits a little and taking some risks. So my pace, I think, will be a little faster this year, hopefully, if I can, than maybe I've done in the past for sure. I'd like to sort of push it from the beginning a little bit more and see how I feel. So you'll lead it the whole way? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, would you rather chase or be chased? 
I'm getting a lot of practice this year, I guess, being chased, but I, I actually prefer chasing. I do. I mean, it is nice to see someone and sort of have someone to sort of be in front of you to guide you and sort of be a motivator. Um, but I think also having the experiences this year of the opposite where someone is behind me and sort of just shifting your mindset of, okay, they're not in front of you, but they're behind you. Like they're coming, like they're right there, um, can also be a huge motivator. Um, and again, I mean, it's for me personally, so I'm really focusing on sort of how I feel and how I think I can push um, based on training and based on my heart rate and sort of just my perceived effort and trying to sort of just tackle the obstacles um, in a more efficient way, if I can, understanding that like I'm going to be maybe more tired running wise because I'm pushing it, but that even if I'm that much tired going into an obstacle that I can still complete the obstacle, you know, take it, take a deep breath or two and sort of move through it um, quickly. So what worries you the most about this race? It's a good question, isn't it? That is a good question. <laughs> There's a lot of things. <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, I think I will stick with, you know, the, the cramping. Um, I mean, if it's going to be hot, just sort of because there is so much climbing, um, I would like to be able to to climb more quickly and efficiently and push the pace. But I also understand that, you know, I will I'm going to fatigue and I could fatigue maybe faster than I'm I want to. Um, so just sort of being ready for that and maybe also understanding that I might have to kind of. Uh, step back the pace a little bit like there might come a time where I just sort of have to be like okay you actually have to sort of let up a little bit and you know recover and then maybe like later on in the race because it's so long you'll have a chance to sort of speed back up again so sort of there's always ebbs and flow in the races right. and it doesn't always go maybe the way that you plan but sort of also being smart about about it depending on what happens right See, that's kind of my same fear, especially when doing the ultra there, because mm -hmm. you go out too hot, you've totally messed up the whole race. So that's always probably my biggest worry, my biggest fear. Mm -hmm. And then after last year, like I've never had a problem with nutrition in a race. Like I could eat a piece of pizza while I was running, you know, I mean, I've just, I don't have a problem with that. But last year, I don't know if it's because I went out too fast or if it was just because it was a little bit warmer last year. Mm -hmm. But I, when I come into transition, I couldn't hold any food down, you know, anything. And I, I may have put, because I was hitting jails every 30 minutes, and that's usually more than I regularly do. But I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure I was fueled great. So that was really scary leaving transition, knowing that I couldn't hold any calories down. And I was thinking, I'm fixed to have to do the whole another loop of this race without calories and yeah. I, I did and it was tough i mean i totally had to swap from competitive mode to survival mode but it was just it was so weird because it seemed like every time i would go up a hill and my heart rate would get into like zone four i would start getting nauseous mm -hmm. and it was it was a, a long second lap for sure and it hurt that's so brutal 
it's definitely moments like that where it really sucks being in them and then when you get out of it though like the i'm sure like feeling proud of the accomplishment but then also teaching your body that like we can suffer for a while like we are a lot stronger than then maybe we realize sometimes, which I think is also cool to like, right. like you have to have those moments where you're, maybe you do fail a little bit or something doesn't go to plan because then it in turn can sort of teach you and then show you that you can do more than you thought, which was, which is cool. And you're still coming back for more. So it didn't. Right. <laughs> well, one thing it taught me is I know now that if it happens again, I can push out the lap without calories and make it even though it's going to suck mm -hmm. but i also took a few extra breaks that i was just trying to be safe than sorry where i feel like i probably could have pushed through and still been okay so now i know that if it happens again i think i can probably still push through and do a little better even if it does happen again i know one thing the last time i tried to eat nutrition I was up there underneath the gondola and it was running, but I knew, you know, everybody was at the bear mountain lodge and that those weren't even close, but I was there and I said, I'm going to try to squeeze the gel in my mouth and just chase it with water. And maybe I can get it down. I tried to do that and I threw it all back up and that felt so miserable. And I was telling myself, if the start line was at the K1 Lodge, I'd be on this gondola right now. <laughs> That's how miserable I felt. And that was the only thing that kept me going at that point. And I'm so glad too, because if I'd have tapped out right there, I'd have hated myself for it. I'd have hated myself for it. So that was that was a big, a big learning thing for me. I've yeah. the past couple of ultras I've had have just had really some fluke turn of events. So I'm hoping for a good one. Um, I hope so too. Yeah. That's such a wild endeavor. Oh yeah. I'm excited to see how it turns out for you. I know we're a week and a half away and the weather is showing overcast with a chance of rain, high of 70, low of 50. And I mean, we were way too far away to even count on that, but that sounds good. I'll yeah, even, that's, those are nice temperatures. Man, I would take 2019 weather over what we had last year just because it was so freaking hot last year. So brutal. It was rough last year. Yeah, it really was. So coming up on this race, what advice would you give to somebody who's never done this race before and they're coming up here, you know, to either put their hat in the national series for age group or maybe to battle you in elite um what advice i mean i guess the same sort of advice that i i guess would give to myself is to sort of come in knowing that it's going to hurt like it's going to be harder than you think um and if you can come in like knowing that you're going to tackle some things that you just no matter what like can't be prepared for um and then just bring nutrition <laughs> with you um, and just think about that be smart about that um, and honestly to make sure you take time to look at the views and just look around you mm -hmm. because it is it is absolutely incredible there's so many times you reach not even the very top but just some of those climbs 
And if you can just turn around and really embrace like what you're doing and where you are and how spectacular it looks, um, that I think will get you through even when it's just, you know, you don't know if you can make it, um, if you can take in sort of those amazing um, aspects of the, of the race that you're doing, that just makes it completely worth it. Absolutely. And, and the cool thing about doing the ultra too is, is by the time you get to the top, you've, you know, you're there right after the sun has rised and it's mm. a really great view. And it's, it's like you say, even when I'm on the steep climbs, I always turn around and take a look out, you know, and it'll get your mind out of the suffering just for a second, you know, but it's still worth it. You know, you don't want to miss these views while you're there. You know, if you're concentrating on the ground the whole time, you ain't going to see nothing that Killington has to offer. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, Lisa. Well, I'm out of questions, but everybody that comes on the show, I always ask them the same questions. So to this day, what's been your most favorite race and why? I, I think my favorite race still is, is Killington. Um, I'll say Killington last year uh, for me, just even though it was brutal and it was extremely hot. Um, I think it was one of my better performing races. Um, I actually had a clean race that year. Nice. Um, even though I ran off course for like a good five minutes. So my goal is to not run off course this year. Um, but I just. Do you remember about where that was at? It was towards the end um, on one of the <laughs> final descents. Um, and you were going down like a gravel, one of the gravel paths that sort of meander. And I was following the, the path road and not the flags and not the flags but there really weren't that many in that section and there was one like i don't like way off sort of to the right and so my eye just didn't catch it because i was really trying to like navigate the way the road was going and nobody was sort of around me at that time so it was just a really unfortunate scenario where i just i was not paying attention and I did not see the flag. So it's completely my fault. And I just kept booking it down. And I went all the way down, turned the corner, and I really saw nothing. I didn't see any signs. I didn't see any people. And I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? What did I do? And so I had to climb all the way back up and continue. Um, but even with that, it was just, um, I, I, my running was strong. My climbing was really strong. I put in a lot of effort. Um, the views were amazing. Um, it was a clean race. So I felt just really proud of myself for that. And I, I left, even though I placed fourth in that race, um, again, again, <laughs> yeah. Again. Um, but it was, it was a really good effort and I just felt really good about the performance that I had. And I was just that much more motivated and pumped to train and do it again this year. So. Yeah. I noticed you had a bunch of fourth places in your repertoire and yeah, isn't that the worst getting fourth place? Because you sit there and you look at who got third and you see their time and you're like, could I have a cut that amount of time? Mm -hmm. And like in West Virginia on the super, I missed third by 30 seconds and I didn't oh. even, I didn't even see the guy, you know, and, but I mean, 30 seconds is a lot longer than you think it is on a course, but still you think back over a 10 K course, and you think about where you had a slip up where you might have lost a few seconds here, a few seconds there. And you know, you know what? I could have cut 30 seconds. Yeah. But then you also got to take into mind, too, if I was right beside this guy or if he knew that I was right on him, he probably would have pushed another gear as well, too. 
But yeah, I'm sure when you saw that you got fourth place at Killington, you were probably thinking, if only I would have stayed on course. I, I know, I know. I definitely, I have, that has played over and over in my head. Um, but you know what, that's the, all of the fourths that I've taken, you know, I've, that's also something that's motivating, right? Like I think right. about that, I think about maybe where I went wrong or sort of could I push myself harder? And I've definitely taken that into, you know, upcoming races to when I'm in the middle and I'm, I'm working hard, but I'm, you know, it is challenging. And I think, okay, are you running your best right now? Like mm. if you were to stop right now, would you have said that you gave it your all? Right. And sometimes I've checked myself and like, no, I think, I think you can push it harder. Like, are you truly going to stop this race and say, I, I gave it my all? Yeah, I, I kind of feel that I'm the same way about that too. At the end of the race, I always think, did I run as fast as I could have? Did I do all the obstacles without failure? And do I think I could have shaved any time, you know? And if, if, if I check all of those boxes, I mean, I'm, I'm happy because that was a good race. And I'm, I'm one of those people where I'd rather race more than say, well, I'm going to build up a big training block and just focus on this one race. I'm not that guy. I'm the type of person where I'd rather have 10 fourth places than one first place. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. to me, at the end of the day, it's about the, hanging out with my friends and the community, the adventure and the memories that I'm making, you know, and I'd rather have memories of a fourth place finish of 10 fourth place finishes than one first place finish and a bunch of extra training. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. Because at the end of the day, and it goes for this in elite too, it's just an extra medal. <laughs> <laughs> Unless oh, you're running the true. 5k series or, or the 3k series for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, and I, 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 I think that's one thing though, that I have to keep in mind. And I think, you know, everybody, we, we love the sport, but I think also, especially here on the East coast, there are so many amazing athletes that run and I've just gotten to, to be better because of them. And I've also made so many friends. And so it's just so amazing to see when the hard work that each of us has, has put in is, is paying off. And when mm. I see my friends, you know, succeed and they get first or second or third, like I'm also just extremely excited for them because I know, um, how much training and work and dedication they all put into it. Um, and we all get to do something that's just really cool and fun and exciting and not that many people do it. I mean, a lot of people do it, but it's, it's rewarding in a lot of different ways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Okay. So now I want the reverse of that question. What's been your race that you hated the most did the worst disliked you know most people don't like to say well i don't really hate any race i don't hate well okay i'll tell you one uh the last race i ran last year i want to say it was in virginia i was there okay um i broke my finger um, how'd you do that <laughs> trying to get third so i placed fourth in that race um and I, 
I, I really, I started off and I was feeling really good and I really pushed the pace because I was trying sort of at the end of the year last year too to sort of, okay, let's push the limits a little bit. Let's see what we can do. That was a fast like, course too. It was fast. Yeah, right. It was very, very flat, very fast. And again, like I'm more of like on the, the climb and grind, not really technical like, side. Yeah. So I definitely was sort of pushing myself out of my, my comfort zone there, but I, I completely forgot about my nutrition mm. as well. So I, I didn't take any um, during the first few miles of that race. So I just started to bonk and I just thought like, oh, this is like a rough day. Like, what am I doing? And then I missed my spear. And so I had to do the penalty loop and I kept falling back and I was getting more frustrated. And I just, and that's just what happens, right? Like, it's just sometimes you get in, in those moods where I, my mode was more frustration and I didn't really stop to think clearly about, well, what do you have with you? You could be taking your nutrition. You could be maybe strategizing or pacing a little differently. Um, so I was sort of struggling to catch up. Um, and I could see third just right there. Um, mm. I mean, she had a good pace. So I was really trying to catch up. And I went to flip on the vertical cargo net, but the cargo net was a little loose. Um, and lately I feel like they've been getting looser and looser, which I'm not a big fan about. Um, so I don't flip them anymore. I will only flip them if they're really tight. Um, but I did, I flipped it. I made a quick split decision to do so just to try to save a few seconds. And when I did that, just the, I, because it was so loose when I flipped, I fell a lot farther and just, it got caught a little bit in the netting and it, it actually broke the like long way. Like mm. instead of like across, it went like diagonal, diagonally across my ring finger on my my right hand. Mm. Um, and I, I dropped off immediately and I was in so much pain, but like she was really close. So I was like, let's keep going. And my husband, Lewis, and my brother, Greg, were right there and they were like, run, like she's right there. And all I could say is I turned and I was like, I'm pretty sure I broke my finger. <laughs> and they were like, shut up, run faster. Um, and I just, I mean, I couldn't catch it. I had to do some obstacles with um, a broken finger. So it was just the way that it was. But I think aside of the finger, it really was just, I just didn't plan and kind of run that race um, in a smart way. So That was a cold race too. It was. It was a cold race, yeah. And people make fun of me because I always run in like pants and long sleeves when it's cold because I hate the cold. And there, all the girls are still in shorts and a tank topper of sports bra. And it just, oh, it, I just, I hate the cold. <laughs> right. I always wear pants just from the abrasion factor in the, in the briars and yeah. rolling under the barbed wire. It protects your knees just a little bit. So I'll usually always wear pants just for that. And for Tyro, it helps. And mm -hmm. that way I don't have to wear the long socks. That's true. Um. Okay. I know I went over an hour here, but so my last question is, is how do you prepare for the race? What is your race routine? What do you do Friday? What do you do Saturday morning before the race? Tell us your secrets to getting first place seven races in a row. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, nutrition wise, I mean, I don't really change anything too much. My sort of typical nutrition is just, you know, eat a variety of foods, eat protein, eat carbs, eat fat, um, eat vegetables. So that's sort of my daily sort of general routine. Um, and then when I get closer to a race, um, I just up the carbs a little bit more. Um, I definitely look for something the night before. So like the Friday 
night before a race, I'll try to find something with a lot of rice usually, um, or like potatoes. Um, so normally something like Asian, um, depends on where we are, like traveling wise. Um, and then definitely just staying hydrated. Um, the morning of, um, I usually make a, a shake that has BCAAs and creatine and electrolytes. Um, lately I've been using scratch, um, mm. mix, which I really like. Um, and so I'll start drinking that a little bit before the race, um, to sort of get that in my system. And then I normally take a goo like right before the race, um, or half of a goo. Um, and then I carry anywhere from like five to eight goos with me, depending on the length of the race. Um, but yeah, and normally like traveling wise, um, I'm normally traveling the day before for Killington. I actually traveled two days before, so we'll drive up Thursday, normally take Friday to sort of hike around and sort of loosen up the legs and just enjoy Vermont because it's beautiful. Mm, Um, It is. Yeah. So I do like to take advantage of that. Um, and then I normally travel too with like a Theragun or, um, a lacrosse ball that I put on like on the bottom of my feet, um, and like a foam roller. So I normally travel with one or all of those things with me just cause I'm normally sitting in the car for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we're normally driving. We pretty much drive to every race. So there's just a lot of sitting. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's typically what it sort of looks like. I actually also don't, um, I don't eat breakfast before I run a lot of my training runs in the morning. I just, um, stay fasted, usually drink coffee. Um, but that's also why I bring a lot of nutrition with me. Um, just because I'm, since I I don't have any fuel in at least that morning, I definitely make sure that my meal is, is big on Friday. And then I just take a lot of nutrition with me, but that doesn't upset my stomach at all. That's kind of a, a safe way to go. Um, and it's just, that's just been the most successful thing that I've found works for me so far. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like during the week, if I'm going to get up in the morning and do a run, I usually will just get up and go do it, you know, and then eat something when I get back. Okay. So who do you think your biggest competition is going to be in, in Killington? Um, I believe Imogen Cross is coming. I mean, she's always fantastic competitor. Um, I really hope Miranda Kempensky, Kilpensky comes. She is also on the East coast. She ran last year. Um, so she had sort of mentioned to me that she probably will. So I hope so. She's a really strong runner. Um, a great athlete. I'm not honestly sure who else. I mean, Cassandra Gill's over here on the East Coast. She could show up. She's a fantastic runner. Um, really, though, like there are just so many athletes on the East Coast that come to these races that I just I can't even name them all. I mean, they're all really amazing. And if they show up, like it's going to be a really challenging and competitive race. So yeah, I'm, but, I'm excited. Yeah, but you're going to stomp Miranda's ass, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would like to, I would like to see where, where I am, you know, this year, because last year we raced against each other. Um, she killed us all last year. I mean, her speed is fantastic. Her climbing was incredible. So I'd love to definitely sort of see where I fall this year. <laughs> yeah. But she, did you see what she did in the 5k? I mean, the 3k series at Palm beach, she like tapped out on the third yeah, round. Cause she was getting was hot. hot. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, Wasn't she also sick though too? <laughs> 
Yeah, she was sick. And she was like, here, put me in your picks. I feel like I'm going to do good. And so I put her in my picks. And then she's like, yeah, I forgot to tell you I was sick. And I was like, no, no Miranda's a good friend. I like to give her a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I really hope that she shows up. I really do. Um, I know. Well, I don't think she's ran any beasts this year. So she definitely isn't putting in the volume of races that you are. So, yeah, well. I guess we'll see. She's doing a lot of surfing and a lot of biking. So she's got the uh, endurance, but yeah. we'll see. Just when you tow up beside her at the line, just look over and say, you're about to get so pitted. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Lisa, I'm out of questions. Do you want to tell people like add or any add anything to this? Like tell people where they can follow you or if they want to message you about the best way to teach second graders how to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, well, I don't think I have the the magic touch for that, but it's it's trial and error. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm so my I guess the easiest way to get in touch with me is is through Instagram, um, Lisa underscore Musak M U S A C. Um, and yeah, you can I mean reach out any questions. I'm big on on nutrition. Um, I don't have all the answers, uh, especially with training, but you can message me, ask any questions. Um, and yeah, I would just say whatever your goals are, like just make a plan and just be consistent with them, really. I mean, have fun doing it, find the joy through the process. But I think the biggest thing that's helped me is just being consistent. So good luck to all the the goals people are trying to reach. That sounded just like something a teacher would say. <laughs> okay, what's your favorite cheat meal? Oh man, I, I love ice cream. Almost every race I'm eating a pint of ice cream, the whole pint. Um, and I love pizza. I mean, it's just the typical yeah. things. I love pizza and I love ice cream. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I like Gimme S'more by S'more. Ben & Jerry's. Mm. But I also like mint chocolate chip, so it's uh, it just depends. Do you like Dairy Queen blizzards though? I honestly have not had them. What? I know. Maybe I'll just put that on the list. I know. You've never I had a blizzard from the Dairy Queen? No. And if I did, maybe it was like a really long time ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you are missing some really great ice cream. Well, all right, Lisa, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, do this interview. And uh, I will see you in about a week and a half. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. This was great. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Lisa again for taking time to talk to us. Guys, we are a week and a half away from Killington. If you're signed up for the Beast, it's awesome. If you're signed up for the Ultra, I hope you're ready. I hope you didn't sign up for your first Ultra at Killington because you're in for a rude awakening. You better be ready to be out there 12 plus hours because your mind's about to be blown away. But anyway, I'm feeling good going into it. I feel like I could have trained more. But given, you know, my ankle's not 100%, I feel like I've done probably the best that I could have in a bad situation. Um, I feel like I'm going to have a good day as long as I don't roll my ankle again. If I roll my ankle again, it's not going to be great i'm going to tape it really well and just hope that i don't roll it again because it'll suck but anyway i may do another episode next week i don't know i don't really have any ideas but uh yeah 
if you see me at Killington, get packet pickup, come up to me and say what's up. If you see me out on course, you know, talk to me. I mean, I'm going to be talking to everybody I pass by anyway. So if you, if you, if you see me out there, just um, cheer me on and help me get my mind out of it. Because if the ankle starts flaring up, I might be thinking about pain in every step. So I hope that's not the case. I hope it's going to be a good day. I'm hoping for cool weather. Like we said earlier in the interview, right now it looks promising, but it's too early to tell. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we'll see you at Killington. Peace.